He came into my office and sat across from me and said, you know, Doc, I just wanted to be Superman. I failed. He was a Marine who just came back from Afghanistan. He had seen some of the most horrific trauma you can think of and believed himself to be a failure for having developed post-traumatic stress disorder. Like a lot of the Marines that I had worked with, this individual believed that they're supposed to be completely invincible, that they're not allowed to struggle from any kind of mental health difficulties. So I started asking him, well, is Superman fully invincible or does he have any kind of vulnerability? He thought about it and he said, well, Superman is vulnerable to kryptonite, of course. Kryptonite is this substance from Superman's home planet that he's basically allergic to. In small quantities, kryptonite weakens Superman's powers. In large quantities, it can actually kill him. So then I would ask him, well, does Superman being vulnerable to kryptonite make him any less of a superhero? And I remember he said, of course not. And then there was a pause and then this light bulb moment. And he said, I see what you did there. Because the truth is every single superhero out there has a vulnerability. And that vulnerability does not make them any less of a superhero. It's actually not despite of this vulnerability, it's because of this vulnerability that we care. And that is true of every superhero, including you. This is a very special episode of superhero therapy, especially dedicated to first responders and healthcare workers laying their lives and risking their safety and well-being every single day. And on behalf of all of us on planet Earth, I want to say thank you. You are the real-life superheroes right now. And if you're stressed and overwhelmed, it makes sense. There's a pandemic going on, and you, just like everyone else, but especially you, have every right to be overwhelmed right now. And all of us are here in your corner. Every single superhero out there has an origin story. So, for example, for Batman, his origin story began when he was a small child. His name was Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne witnessed both of his parents being killed in an alleyway by a mugger when he was a small child. This was the beginning of his story. However, this was just his jumping off point. Bruce Wayne then made a decision to become Batman, the protector of Gotham City to ensure that no child ever lost his parents or any, any family members the way that he did. And what's going on right now is yet another origin story. It is a beginning of your heroic journey, but this is not the end. And what that means is that going forward, you are that Batman. You are that superhero. You are the person that there will be books and movies and history books made about. This is your origin story. My own origin story began when I was a small child uh, growing up in Ukraine my family and I were exposed to Chernobyl radiation. For me personally, 
growing up, I spent a lot of my childhood in and out of hospitals. And I remember wondering if I would ever make it to adulthood. I still have pretty weakened immune system and one side effect that has persisted with me to this day is that whenever the weather changes, I get severe migraines, which sometimes lead to seizures. And I remember being in that hospital bed as a child and feeling weak and broken and helpless and seeing the kids in my hospital room and on my floor being extremely sick and wanting to help them and feeling extremely helpless to make a difference. When I was 12 years old, my family and I immigrated to the United States. And like a lot of 12 year olds, I went through a lot of bullying. I remember being called a freak, being asked if I'm contagious and radioactive. And I remember there being many days when I wanted to die. And the reason for that is because I felt incredibly alone. I thought that there was nobody out there that could possibly understand what I was going through. And a few years later, I saw a movie that forever changed my life. And that movie was the X-Men. The X-Men are a group of superheroes, or mutants to be exact, that all have some kind of special abilities, superpowers. Some are able to walk through walls or read other people's minds. Some are able to change their appearance. And my personal favorite, Storm, is able to control the weather. Every single X-Men had been alienated and prejudiced against for being different. Every single X-Men had been made to feel alone by their circumstances. Although they were incredibly powerful, many of them felt that there was nobody that they could talk to. And I remember watching this movie with tears running down my face because as I looked around the theater, I saw many other theater goers who were having a similar experience to mine. Many were crying, seemingly also identifying with these characters. And what I realized in that moment is that stories can allow us to be more true to what we're actually going through. Stories can allow us to be more connected to who we really, to who we really are. Stories can give us the vocabulary that we need to better explain what we're going through, not only to ourselves, but also to other people. It is this experience that helped me to develop something called post-traumatic growth, which means developing meaning in our traumatic experience. In this post-traumatic growth is where we find a sense of our priorities, sometimes shifting our priorities and refocusing on certain elements of our life. For example, focusing on spending more time with our family, focusing on reaching out to loved ones in realization that life is short. And for so many of you out there, that is very much what's going on right now, where you might be feeling overwhelmed and you might be noticing your own priorities shifting as well. The truth is, during our most challenging time, many of us tend to feel alone. And that is especially true for first responders and healthcare workers. And that is because we've been taught to take care of other people, but we've not been taught to take care of ourselves. We've not been taught that it's okay for us to go through a hard time too, that it's okay for us to take some time 
and check in on ourselves and to attend to our own needs. Sometimes we might feel even more alone in social situations. For example, when we're seeing our family members or friends laughing and socializing and Zooming and FaceTiming and connecting, and we are feeling overwhelmed, depressed, and maybe going through night after night of loss of sleep or, or maybe panic attacks, we might feel disconnected from other people. We might feel alone. And that might start breeding an emotion of shame. Let's actually differentiate for a moment between shame and guilt because these two emotions are sometimes confused. Shame is an overwhelming feeling that there's something wrong with us as a whole. So shame would say, I am bad, I am worthless, I'm unlovable, or something's wrong with me. Whereas guilt is feeling bad about a specific action. So guilt might teach us about what to do and what not to do in certain situations. Sometimes guilt can be helpful for example, when we learn about certain actions that might be helpful in the future, such as not to take out our frustration on our family members. However, sometimes guilt can be not helpful, such as when we start to misallocate guilt and blame toward ourselves, for example, for something that was out of our control. Sometimes we might be unable to save a patient. Sometimes we might be unable to prevent something bad from happening. But because of the profession that we're in, the assumption is that if we just try hard enough, we should be able to avoid it or prevent it. There's a certain degree of control that we all have. And at the same time, there are certain things that are out of our control. And I think that sometimes the assumption is that if something goes bad, it is because we missed something. It is because we did something wrong. And then we start to not only feel guilty, we start to also shame ourselves. Brene Brown, who is a shame researcher, says, we deny our loneliness. We feel shame around being lonely, even when it's caused by grief, loss, and heartbreak. And I feel like never has it been more true than it is today, where billions of us, are going through the same experience where we might be feeling overwhelmed, where we might be feeling universal grief and fear, and at the same time, we might be feeling lonelier than we've ever felt. We might be feeling more alone and less connected than we've ever felt if we don't talk about what we're going through. The less we talk about it, the less we talk about what we're going through, the more ashamed and alone we feel. The way that shame shows up in mental health is that it is the underlying mechanism of every mental health disorder from panic attacks, which many of us are probably having right now, to sleep disorders, to depression, to substance use, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, borderline personality disorder, and many other disorders. But what's interesting is that being connected with other people, sharing our story with other people and recognizing that we're not alone can really restore functioning, can help us to feel emotionally and physically better. And the reason why is because we're wired for connection. Our bodies actually secrete oxytocin when we're able to connect with another human being. And I know that there's a stigma that exists, especially in first responders, in that we're supposed to... I know that there's a stigma that exists, especially in first responders, and that perhaps the assumption is that you're supposed to never let your guard down or never share your emotions. But what's interesting, too, is that 
when we share our emotions, it gives other people the permission to share theirs. And soon enough, we realize that we're not alone. Contrary to the popular quote, misery loves company, it's not that misery loves company, it's that company is the antidote to misery, as Kristen Neff, who is a self-compassion researcher, says. And what that means is that when we're able to connect to another human being, when we're able to say, you know what, me too, that person is experiencing the same thing as I am, whether that's grief, burnout, panic attacks, fear, understanding that we're not alone actually allows our bodies to self-soothe. It's the oddest thing, but it seems that by being able to share our common experience with other people, maybe with another doctor, another firefighter, another police officer, we might be able to feel less alone in this experience and support one another. What we're going through right now with COVID-19 is universal grief and empathic distress. Universal grief means that people are grieving worldwide, even if they don't know somebody who has passed. And this can lead to empathic distress, which refers to us feeling overwhelmed with feelings of guilt or sadness or grief when we're seeing somebody else going through a hard time. I imagine that you're in the job that you're in because you signed up to save people. You want to be able to help. And so, of course, when you're seeing higher death rates than normal, when you're losing patients and coworkers and loved ones, it makes sense that you're going to feel helpless and powerless. And it also makes sense that you're going to potentially experience empathic distress. And what that means is that this is our check the engine light that's blinking, that's saying, hey, you need to stop and check in with yourself. Because just as our patients need us, we also need to self-care. Nowadays, more than ever before, literally and figuratively, we need to put on our own masks first before assisting other people. And that does not only mean an actual physical mask, that also means being able to give ourselves the support that we need. Of course, we might be overwhelmed, overworked, and probably terrified. Many people are scared of not only getting sick themselves, but also of maybe bringing COVID-19 home to their family. A lot of people are reporting that they're terrified and even having panic attacks or losing sleep over wondering, what if I'm not showing symptoms, but I bring this disease, this virus to my family or hurt somebody unintentionally? It is a real and understandable fear. And at the same time, it is now more important than ever for us to take a moment and make space for these emotions. And the busier they are, the more important it is that we do that. And what that means is taking at least 10 seconds every hour, for example, to just check in with ourselves, to ask ourselves, what do I feel right now? Am I feeling overwhelmed? Do I feel like I'm going to burst into tears? Do I feel numb or angry or irritable or hungry? and seeing if there is a way that we can support ourselves. The most important question we can ask ourselves during the day is what do I need right now? What do I actually need to get through this difficult moment? And that might be a bite of food. That might be stepping away to the bathroom just to breathe. That might be a moment to cry. And all of these are perfectly acceptable and necessary. Think of it as a recharge. I imagine all of you have cell phones. 
And what do we do when our cell phone is running low on battery? We plug it in. We plug it in to recharge because we want to take care of our phones so that they work for us. The same thing is true of our bodies. We need to plug ourselves in. And by that, I mean we need to take breaks. We need to eat. We need to breathe. And we need to build space for our emotions. That means that we need to allow ourselves to feel whatever we feel, anger, sadness, grief, build space for hugs with people that you're allowed to hug or maybe give yourself a hug, whether it's placing your hands on your heart center, whether it's hugging a pillow. These might seem like odd techniques, but there are actual oxytocin receptors on our heart. And so by providing a slight pressure on our heart, we can actually stimulate the release of this hormone, of this self-soothing hormone to help us in the moment of our greatest distress. It is the reason why hugs can feel so good sometimes because our bodies are wired for this kind of physical support. A lot of these are common reactions to what we're going through. So again, a lot of people, especially first responders and healthcare professionals are reporting panic attacks, sleeplessness, feeling numb, feeling irritable, struggling with socializing or withdrawing from activities that used to be fun and interesting, experiencing apathy, changes in appetite, or thoughts of suicide. If you're going through this, first and foremost, know that you're not alone. Know that chances are most people around you are going through the same thing. And by talking about what you're going through, you're actually helping other people. Because for most people out there, they're holding their stuff together so that they don't burn you out and they don't stress you out. So if you can talk about what's going on with you, you're giving other people their permission to share what's going on with them. So you can cry together. You can hold one another. You can have a panic attack together and realize that you can get through this. This will get better. And right now in this moment, this is you showing up for action. I know that a lot of times when we're feeling really overwhelmed, we start to kind of hide away into kind of like a safety zone. We can think of it as kind of like a target model. So in the very, very middle of a target, like a bow and arrow kind of target, this is what we would call a safety zone. So a lot of times when we're feeling overwhelmed, we hide out in that safety zone and we stop socializing and we stop engaging in things that used to revitalize us, whether that's exercising or playing a game or watching our favorite TV show, which is kind of shut down. And it's okay to do that for a little bit, but unfortunately over time, the longer we stay in that safety zone, the more our symptoms actually persist. And the more we try to squash and hide our grief, the more likely it is to come back up as a panic attack. A lot of people don't know this about panic attacks, but panic attacks can often be a manifestation of unprocessed grief. So what that means is rather than suppressing all the sadness and overwhelm and fear that you might be going through, it's important to, again, build space for these emotions, to allow yourself to cry, to make space for these emotions, almost like making an appointment with them. Uh, so maybe for five minutes every day, making an appointment with your emotions where you allow yourself to cry, where maybe you write out in your journal what you're feeling and you don't have to share it with anybody. And one of the best things we can do for ourselves is to start to slowly step out of that safety zone 
into what we like to call the magic zone, a connection zone, where we can reach out to our loved ones, where we can let people know about what we're going through, or possibly reach out to a mental health professional. By formulating connections, by identifying that we're not alone, by being able to say, hey, me too, I'm going through the same thing, we can actually allow ourselves to better process what we're going through. In fact, people who are able to watch a favorite movie or TV show in which there's a character that they feel connected to that might share their experience might actually report feeling less lonely, less rejected, and they report feeling reduced feelings of depression overall. And so it seems like if we don't have somebody that we can talk to, there might be a fictional character that we might be able to connect to, especially presuming if that fictional character is going through something similar. So for instance, some people report that being able to watch a Batman movie or TV show Supernatural on which two brothers are constantly fighting supernatural monsters and have to stop an apocalypse, kind of similar to what's going on right now. A lot of folks who are watching shows where the protagonists are going through something similar to what they're going through right now report feeling less alone and more understood by some of these shows and also by some of the fans of these shows. What's interesting, too, is when we're feeling overwhelmed, sometimes taking a superhero pose where we have our fists against our hips, kind of like a Wonder Woman or Superman pose, can actually increase our self-esteem and can potentially reduce depression over time. And so it's recommended to take this pose for about two minutes a day, every day, if possible. So see if you would like to try it out. As I mentioned earlier, what's going on right now is essentially your origin story. You've probably had many other origin stories before, and this is yet another story. This is a moment in time where your life is taking a different direction right now. And what we know is that being able to process our origin story can help to reduce some of the potential trauma-related symptoms. So I'm going to ask you to take a moment and think about your origin story right now. Think about the way that this pandemic is affecting you. Think about the way that it has gotten in the way or the way that it has stopped you or the way that it has caused you the kind of suffering that maybe you haven't felt before. And then I'm going to invite you to think about a personal hero of yours. So this could be maybe a family member, whether they're living or maybe deceased. This could be a mentor that you might have had. This could be a historical figure, a celebrity. This could be a religious figure or a fictional character like Batman or Dumbledore or Wonder Woman. This is a figure of great strength and inner wisdom and compassion. So see if you can think of somebody that could be a really positive role model for you, whether you've ever met this person or not. And then I'm gonna ask you to imagine that you have maybe about 20 minutes or so alone with your hero. So if your hero is Batman, then imagine being able to meet with Batman one-on-one, face-to-face. And imagine that your hero already knows everything about you. Your hero knows everything you've been through and everything you're going through right now. Your hero knows exactly what you need to hear. 
and your hero gives you the wisest, most encouraging, most compassionate message, reminding you of who you are, what you stand for, and the importance of your work. Take a few moments and think about what your hero might say to you. tell you about a client I worked with a while ago. We're going to call him Clark Kent. Clark Kent is not his real name. So Clark Kent was working in a field in which many lives depended on him. And every single day, he felt an enormous amount of pressure. When he would come into therapy, he reported feeling so overwhelmed. He was having regular panic attacks. He was getting maybe two to three hours of sleep from anxiety. He was terrified that he was going to do something wrong. And he kept thinking that he's not doing enough, that he's not making enough of a difference. And there was one session where he came in and he said that he was supposed to meet with a group of coworkers and he was supposed to give a speech. He was so overwhelmed that he wanted to cancel it altogether. He didn't think he had anything to offer. And Clark's biggest superhero was Superman. So I asked Clark not to focus on giving the perfect speech, but to go into his talk with an intention of reaching just one person, with an intention of being able to help just at least one other person that was attending it, and to imagine himself walking into this talk wearing his Superman cape. And so he did. Clark walked into the room and he gave a talk, keeping in mind that if there was at least one person that benefited from his talk, then he will have done his job. He will have Supermaned for the day. Well, not only was the speech incredibly well-received and he got an enormous amount of compliments with people lining up to talk to him and thank him, but there was a young man that pulled him aside that said, you know, I just have to tell you that a few years ago when we first started working together, I had a really difficult day and I was actually intending to go home and take my life. You might not remember this, but that day you looked at me and you said, good work. And that recognition made me rethink my decision. Clark didn't remember doing this, but it was the first time that he realized that his actions and his words mattered. That even when he didn't see a direct impact of his actions, he was able to affect other people. And saving lives and being able to help people was always really important to him. But I think it was the first time that he was able to recognize that he was already that Superman that he wanted to be. He was already the kind of superhero to other people that he always intended to be. And that's what I'm trying to say here is that this is a very challenging and very scary time. And nevertheless, here you are. You're showing up. 
you're doing what's asked of you. And of course, you're going to be afraid. Of course, you're going to be overwhelmed. That's human. That's natural. And for many people out there, not just for the people that you directly see, but for a lot of people you don't see, you are that superhero. The kind of hero that we talked about in the second part of the reflection exercise, the kind of hero that you might call upon yourself in the moment of needing guidance, you are that hero to so many people. Not just the patients that you've worked with for a long time, not just the coworkers that you help on a daily basis, not just the people that you know you saved, but also the people that you might have had a second long interaction with somebody that you might have shared a kind word with, maybe a friend or a neighbor or a person that you barely knew on the street that you smiled at, you might have saved that person's life. In addition to the hundreds of lives that you save on a regular basis, this is you. And so of course you're going to be stressed right now. And at the same time, maybe that's okay. You might remember the Yerkes Dotson stress model in the case you don't know it looks like a perfect bell-shaped curve. And what that means, that it's true when our stress levels are so high that we can barely function, it might affect our performance. It might make it very difficult for us to work. But the truth is, when our stress is really low, we might also not pay attention as much. We might be more complacent with our work. But what's interesting is that when we're moderately stressed, when we're feeling maybe on alert, when we're feeling anxious, we might be more likely to be able to focus on our job. And so that stress that you might be feeling and that pounding heart that you might be experiencing, that is essentially your superhero suit, your Iron Man suit, powering up, getting you ready for action. And that feeling of breathlessness, that is your body giving you the oxygen that you need to get through this work. And in those moments when you really need a break, it's okay to take some time for yourself. Self-compassion is not selfish. It's necessary. It's our energy fuel. It makes us more resilient to help ourselves and others. And so think about what you would do if you had a magical ability right now. Think about what kind of ways would you want to change the world? And chances are for many of you, that ability would be to heal other people. That ability would be to get rid of COVID-19, to be able to save patients. Well, guess what? You already do that. This is your daily life already. You are already a superhero. You are already Batman and Wonder Woman and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and every magical hero out there. This is you on a daily basis. This is you powering up, ready for action. And years from now, there will be books, and movies and stories about you. So please remember that this is the origin story of your heroic journey. This is the very beginning, but the rest of it will show the kind of hero that you are. You are the chosen one. Of course, the beginning is always hard and you will get through this. You are the chosen one. It has to be you. You are the one that makes a difference. You've already saved hundreds of lives and you will continue to save more. So on behalf of the 7 billion of us everywhere, thank you for being wonderful. Please keep superheroing and don't forget your cape.